This is the High School Football America podcast for August the 14th, 2021. I'm Jeff Fisher. The High School Football America podcast is brought to you by GameStrap, America's premier sideline instant replay system with outstanding reliability and faster speed than Huddle Sideline Plus. And this is the big thing because we know a lot of people that use Huddle don't like their customer service. GameStrat has awesome customer service along with different plans priced right for every coach's budget. And very, very important, if you mention High School Football America and our partnership with GameStrat, you will get some friends and family discounts. Discounts, I guess we want to say. (laughs) To get the demo, go to GameStrat.com or click on the GameStrat banner ad located on every page of HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. On the line, I've got John Nelson, a quarter of a century working for the Georgia Public. I think it was a quarter of a century, right, John, with Georgia Public? Or am yeah, I wrong about the that? North end of, it's the north end of a quarter century. We're like right in the middle <laughs> between the, the, the silver and whatever 30 is. So okay. we're, we're like right in there. My hair, I had a lot more hair, and it was a lot longer than it is now when I started. <laughs> but he is knowing what he's talking about when it comes to high school football. He is also an author. His sixth book is out. And John Nelson is joining me right now on the High School Football America podcast to talk about his uh, new book, uh, Noble Strong, just came out, Lessons in Destiny. And uh, if you don't know the Buddy Noble story, uh, you gotta you got to give a good close listen here and then go buy the book because uh, the Buddy Noble story, when I moved back to Atlanta, uh, caught me about uh, maybe eight, nine months in, John. And uh, wow, what a guy. And I just first, welcome to the podcast. And we're going to get right into everything you did. But, you know, thanks for joining me first off. No, it's, it's great to, to hear your voice. Yeah, and, and thank you, and it's good to hear your voice. And uh, actually, um, folks, I'm recording this audio-wise, but I am seeing John's face. And i got to say one thing, John. Um, you know, there's a lot of jokes in there about wearing the mask and everything you did on the sidelines last year, but it's good to actually yeah. see you without a mask on right now. You so ain't, let, You ain't kidding, brother. <laughs> let's, let's dive into the story. Um, and, and again, I'm going to have you paint the picture here. Um, one of the, the things that I enjoyed the most was the setup in the book, which talks about about your relationship. This isn't um, a story that began when Buddy Nobles is diagnosed with a uh, an illness that would eventually take his life. But um, let's first talk about that. Um, Buddy Nobles, how did you meet him, and how did this turn into a book called uh, Noble Strong? Well, you know, when you're covering Georgia high school football for <laughs> years, <laughs> Uh, you know, what I would usually do is depending on the season and the format for how things were at Georgia public broadcasting, it would be going out and leaving Atlanta. And what I would always like to do was share the state with the rest of the state. And so I would go and find stories. And if there was a a story about a team making a run in the playoffs or something like that, or it was a great community when it came to to high school football in the state of Georgia, the folks at GPB were like, okay, what story do you want to go cover this week? And I would say that one. And then I would go and cover that story. And then there's another thing that what we would do before the season actually started. And it's literally piling into a van and trying to hit as many schools in a three-day period as humanly possible. Literally, it's like taking your phone, picking it up, connecting the dots with all of the the schools and calling the head coach and going, okay, coach, I'm going to be there in 30 minutes. I need you for five. Can you hop out of the school? (laughs) I'm going to stick a microphone in front of your face. And I would do stuff like that before Mm -hmm. the season would start. 
And so one of those stops was Fitzgerald when Robbie Pruitt was the head coach there. And one of his assistants was Buddy. And it was from their time in Florida when they were coaching, when they got to know each other. And Buddy gradually would make his way up to Fitzgerald and be a, a part of the, the staff there. And that was where I first met. And that was where I first met Buddy. And then through his time, you know, he would be down there in Fitzgerald. And then he eventually would be the head coach at Irwin County in Osceola, which is about 10 minutes south of Fitzgerald. And this is rival counties. Literally, it's like Ben Hill County and Irwin County. They're like right there. And, you know, he would still live in Fitzgerald. He would coach in Osceola at Irwin County. And it was just great to see him become a part of the fabric of that community. And just over time, you, you learn uh, about the family. You get to see him coach his sons. And, you know, my wife and I, we were very tight with Buddy and his wife, Tammy, and their family. And so uh, it was just knowing them deeper than just that you know, artificial, that, that surface relationship where you're just sitting there and you know them through sound bites, you know right. them through TV coverage and what have you. And it evolved from there. And so uh, just being tight with the family and knowing somebody that you love very much and, and you think that telling their story would be worth it. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he, as he gets the head coaching job at Irwin, it's not just, you know, an okay job, right? He turns that into a, a powerhouse. Like I said, regulars in the, in the, in the high school football, America, small schools rankings, a powerhouse in, in class a, you know, always a bridesmaid. Right. And then you have this relationship. Um, 2009 is, is coming upon us. And, uh, as you tell in the book, you got a phone call. And uh, just take take us to that phone call because again, because it wasn't a soundbite relationship. Take us and the listeners into that. What happened, and and that'll set the tone for where the book goes. Well, and you know, and, and when you're doing Southern Swing, and literally this is how it happened. I was doing Southern Swing, and I was catching up with the coaches that were a part of this, and one of the coaches you know, that I was talking to, he's like, did you hear about Buddy? And I'm like, no, I didn't. And the family traditionally, they'll go on a July 4th cruise and then they'll come back and the coaches will go on these kinds of things. And so, uh, in the conversation with one of the other coaches, they're like, did you hear about Buddy? And they, and I said, no. And they said, but he's got cancer. And so literally it was the day before I was supposed to go see him on Southern swing when I found this out. And so I hung up the phone with that, with that first coach and I called Buddy and I said, first off, uh, are you okay? And we talked for a little while and I said, okay, well, I'm supposed to come see you tomorrow. Is it okay if I come see you because I'm blowing through the state like I always do? And he's like, yeah, of course, come and see me. And so we spend time in, on campus and we did basically two interviews to start. And this is so like late July, early August of 2019. And one we do in the weight facility where we take care of all the football stuff. And then I said, okay, do you want to talk about what's happening right now with your diagnosis? Such absolutely. So we go into his office and then we do a separate interview where we talk to him about his diagnosis and everything. And he, and off the top, but he's open and honest about the whole thing. He's like, this is not meant to be a pity party for me. Uh, you know, we talked about it and we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. We're going to focus on, you know, trying to win a state championship. And so that was, the, that was the talk from the absolute beginning. It was not going to be anything about Buddy Nobles. It was going to be focusing on what was important down there, and it was about getting one of the most talented football teams in the state toward winning a state championship. So, uh, you know, the biggest thing that came out of that second interview with him on camera 
was literally one of the messages for all of us of a certain vintage, get checked. And, you know, if you haven't, if you go to the doctor, make sure that you get checked, make sure that you have, you know, your colonoscopy, make sure that you're checked to make sure that you're a hundred percent. And that was one of the messages that Buddy wanted to relay from the absolute beginning. One, no pity party. Two, we're, we're going to focus on winning a title. And really, A, before one, get checked if you're a male. Yeah. No, uh, great advice. And as someone that had a stroke eight years ago, that's what I tell everybody. Don't uh, don't mess around. Don't take life for granted. And uh, yes, doctors uh, may, may not be somebody you like, but they are important to keep you above ground. Uh, John Nelson, mm-hmm. uh, a great sportscaster in the Atlanta Southeast uh, part of the United States. Uh, Noble Strong is the book. Please go on Amazon and, and check this out uh, after you listen to this. Uh, it's called Noble Strong Lessons in Destiny. Buddy Nobles, what a great coach. Uh, succumbs to uh, stomach cancer in, uh, I guess it was January, right, of, of 2020. Jan- yeah, January 2020, yeah. And, um, you know, John um, has, has written a, a marvelous, marvelous book. And I, I'll be honest, I told John, I've, I've gotten through about five or six chapters, but uh, I'm loving what it is, and I will finish it out before uh, the football season starts. So you, you have this, uh, you know, dual interview, if you will, you know, two-part interview. Um, when does the idea come upon you to write a book? Was it then and there, or is it as the season progresses? How does that come about? Well, I think it, the, it started with that first convers- the, the first conversation on campus. But then as you're seeing what's going on and, you know, through your rankings and your coverage of high school football, just how good Irwin County was that year. And it was a bunch of juniors that were there. And, you know, you evolve in that notion and it goes into something where you you just realize as a journalist that it's a story that should be told. And as the season was going on, I'm taking more notes and and I'm trying to figure out how I want to lay it out. And you're like, yeah, this is something that's that's got a lot more in play. And so it starts with one thing. And this was something, honestly, when it comes to a project where you knew where it was going, it was something that you didn't want to have sit on a shelf mm-hmm. because of how important it was on multiple levels. And, uh, you know, you're hoping that from a personal standpoint, you're hoping that there's a state title for them because it would mean so much to this very small town, this great community. And so I guess it was something that you monitor throughout the entire football season. And then as things get toward that game 15, you're like, yeah, this is a story that cannot be on the sidelines at all. Yeah. And and you, you kind of mentioned you know, the, the rival counties and all that put into perspective for the listeners, um, what this area of Georgia is like the community (laughs) itself. Uh, you know, it's, I, I just spent some time, where was I? I was in Eatonton, uh, Putnam Putnam County. County. Yeah. Putnam County a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, I, I learned a lot about parts of Georgia I didn't know about and they're all unique unto themselves. Right. So, so tell, tell the listeners a little bit about this community. Well, it is in what we refer to as the region of doom in single-A football. And single-A football, uh, for those who know, it's the lower enrollments, the lower attendance figures, and it is small communities that are linked by about 45-minute drives to everyone else in their region. Osceola hadn't won a state championship since the 1970s, and you'd mentioned earlier on about them being always the bridesmaid. There's uh, one of the schools... Uh, Clinch County down in Homerville, which is uh, about 25 minutes to the east of Valdosta. And so literally you're having to kind of work your way through 
the Okefenokee and a lot of forests and swamp and things like that to get to this place. But they would always be banging their head against Clinch County and their talented teams. And it would always – like the team that would win in the regular season would be the team that would lose in the playoffs. And when you have a, t- a town like Osceola that, was as, it is, that is as tightly knit as they are – and the, the smaller town we were talking about, Fitzgerald being just north of them, one of the powers in the highest, the next classification up, you know, you're looking at, and then Irwin County, you're looking at a town like Ashburn and Turner County, which was uh, 35 minutes or so to the west. And so there's no real direct way to get to these towns. But when you get there, you get to see that uh, Osceola, there, there's a joke, that they're a one stoplight town. And <laughs> Actually, there are two stoplight towns. Just that it's one is it's there's the one stoplight that's there at the main intersection, and then there's another stoplight that's a little further off to the side. But so it is a two stoplight town, and, and but it is a town that takes all of their athletics very very seriously, and they really throw all of their collective weight into what's going on. And you have folks in Fitzgerald who have ties to Irwin County and what they what they do. And so you're, when we talk about twin cities separated by a county line. That's how you end up with a single-A school on one side in Irwin County and a double-A school on the other side in Fitzgerald. But it's a, it's a lot of love in a, in a region that has two towns that are really close to each other geographically. But when it comes to that one week out of the year when they do play, it literally is purple school in Fitzgerald, red school in Irwin County, and it is a big rivalry. But it is a small town separated by uh, a county line from another uh, not so – a larger town in Fitzgerald too, but it is a tight area. Mm-hmm. But the football is just—it is just knock yourself out every Friday night across the board. I learned that in a hurry when moving back here in eighteen. Uh, I guess they played clinch in eighteen. I, I remember being at that game. Uh, mm-hmm. That that clinch won. Uh, I think it was fourteen nothing, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah. And and what impressed me, and, and I know this is going a little bit off topic, but I, I loved painting pictures for people is what impressed me in that game specifically. 1A, lower classification. Um, oh, my gosh, these guys hit. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not your – you know, in Pennsylvania when you're in Class A, you might have, you know, a, a decent game. But it doesn't resemble a hard-hitting, top-of-the-classification type of game. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. do, do you agree with that, that 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 Georgia small football, especially at this Clinch County, Irwin County, uh, you know, is so good? And people don't understand that, I don't think, around the country. No, and when we talk about it being a region of doom, we're dead serious about it when we talk about it because you have kids from a lot of these single-A schools in this region in particular going to SEC schools for their next stops. I mean, it is the quality of athlete that is in the smallest classification in Georgia high school football puts out some of the best talent across the board. And, you know, you're going to SEC schools. You're going to a lot of the one double A powers. And, you know, you're going to places like Kentucky and Missouri and Georgia, and it is they really do find these athletes down mm-hmm. there in that small classification, and they end up going to a lot of the Power Five conferences. And it's, uh, it's tremendous to see these athletes. I mean, when you, when you see freshmen who are like 6'6 six, six wide receivers who end up going <laughs> to the University of Georgia, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, and, you know, for someone who has – Seeing this region be what it is for a very, very long time, the quality of athlete is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it it, it blew me away. And like I said, I'm not being disrespectful to my hometown state, but, um, you know, Irwin and, and Clinch would have kicked the crap <laughs> out of a lot of our 1As. 
So, John, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the what happens to Buddy after that very first interview, the, the two-parter, if you will. Um, certainly, he lost his life very quickly. It was only a couple of months. So what, what was it like um, from that first time you talked to him about his situation through fall camp into the season? How much did he regress, fall down, if yeah, you will, he did. No, no, it, no. Regression, I think, is is a fair word, and because of how geographically detached we were, you know, uh, Osceola is two and a half, three hours from Atlanta, and there's only so much that you can do with a telephone. So I specifically told my sports director at the time, Kevin Gerke, I said, okay, look, you know that this is a story that I'm going to have to go back and continue to keep an eye on and keep an eye on. And I'm going to go back down because people want to know and they want to know how he's doing. They want to know how he's feeling. And I went back down before senior night. And by then he had, uh, he's pretty much riding around on a golf cart to be at practice. And there's a story about how he got the golf cart in the book. And it once again speaks to the community there in Osceola and Fitzgerald and the alums from Irwin County. And to go down and see him, he was, he was definitely probably was down at least 20 pounds. Mm. Uh, he was a lot thinner, but he still had, uh, he was still out there coaching doing, you know, he was out there coaching and directing traffic and uh, he had peeled himself back. Uh, his wife, Tammy, he referred to as his director of cancer operations, his DCO. <laughs> and so when Tammy would sit there and say, okay, you know, we've got this appointment here, this appointment here, this appointment here. He's thinking, okay, well, I've got this game here, this game here, and this game here. Tammy's like, no, you are going to these appointments. And so uh, he would go to his appointments. He would, he would go to chemo and he would go radiation and treatments and things. And he basically had gotten to the point to where he was trusting his assistant coaches where he would be there two days a week at practice and then he would kind of rest up so he could be there on game days and the community and the school did some tremendous things to make sure that he was as comfortable as he could be and that he could still be as engaged as he could be without having to stand on the sidelines mm -hmm. and uh you know when i went down for senior night for me as someone who and i'm just going to go ahead and say it for someone who loves buddy very much it was a chance for me to catch up with a friend Mm -hmm. And uh, so, I mean, if you want to put journalism aside, yeah, it was a little selfish. You know, it gave me the chance to drive three hours and catch up with a friend for a little <laughs> while and just to let everybody else know what was going on because everybody else around the Southeast wanted to know. But, you know, for me to see him uh, work as hard as he was, be as skinny as he was, fight as hard as he was fighting, uh, to be able to, to put it, my arm around him when we would talk. To, to tell somebody that you'll love them. And I think that that's another message here too, is that when we are around folks, and I know in the last 16 months or so, it's been hard, but I think that one of the other underlying messages here is don't ever be afraid to tell somebody you love them mm -hmm. because you never know when the next time you'll be able to see them is and when that last time that you'll be able to see them will be. And so that was one of the lessons that I was reminded of this entire time. So going down to see him for senior night, being able to put my arm around him, being able to tell him that I loved him, those things were important to me as well. And at the same time, you know, we got to talk about football and talk about seniors and how much it meant and all those kinds of things. But so 
Yeah, I mean, yes, I admit to it being a, a bit of a selfish motive, but at the same time, I got to catch up with somebody that you love. Wonderful book. Noble Strong talking with author John Nelson, his sixth book, um, Noble Strong Lessons in Destiny, available on Amazon. I uh, highly recommend it. And I think, John, one of the other things that I've gotten through it so far for the people out there, I mean, there's a lot of football books, right? But I think you're painting on a canvas that's football, but it's not a football book per se, right? right. It's not an yeah. X's and O's book. There's a lot of messages in here. There's a lot of lessons. There's a lot of like, you know, love and pain and, and tears and all that. It's, it's just very, very well written. So, you know, um, at, at this point, um, your outcome of the book, right, is not in anybody's hands other than the good Lord upstairs, I guess, is the best way to look at it. Uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, because you are a friend and you go to that senior night and now they're making a run. They're making a run toward maybe making this <laughs> a pretty good ending that, again, yeah. not in anybody's hands except the good Lord upstairs. Tell me a little bit about that run and, and what it was like, the emotion of it for, for you know, for Buddy, for, for Buddy's family, for that tight-knit community. Well, you know, when you're looking at one of the most stout defenses I think we've ever seen in Georgia high school football, when the, the first-team defense didn't give up a point for weeks, really for months, and they're just plowing through their opposition. They're going up against folks in region. They're going through region, and no one's touching them. Uh, I think it was by the time they got to the first round of the playoffs, it was the first time in months that, they, that the first-team defense had had uh, any points scored on them. Then, you know, they're, they're making their run, and, uh, you know, you're wondering, okay, you know, this is the, one of the best teams in the state. And then they go at number one versus number two in the single-A rankings, and they take care of business there, and then, they make it to game 15 at, at Georgia State and taking on a very tough Marion County team from Buena Vista. And it was it was two extremes, really. It's like you had an incredible defense from Erwin County and an incredible offense from Chris Kirksey and Marion County at the time. And, you know, it was just it was building and building and building and building all of this emotion and all of this drive. And and the, I think that the, the kids should get a lot of credit. The student athletes should get a lot of credit at Irwin County for being focused on the task at hand. Uh, won the region with a game to go in the regular season. And they're like, yeah, okay, great. You know, we've won region. That was one of the things that's on the board. And so next thing up, next task up. And they were completely and totally focused because they, they knew in their hearts that it was for them, it was for their community, and it was for Buddy. And so there was all of this motivation that was going on and getting them to, to gain 15, I think that it was what, you know, outside of the season in and of itself and all the stories that we're talking about in 2019, a lot of us were looking at Irwin County that they were going to be there. They should be there at the last game of the year. But when number one versus number two happens in the semifinal, you're, you're wondering, okay, this really should be the championship game. What's going to happen here? Do they finally break the glass ceiling? Do they finally get there and get past clinch and get to that game 15. And they finally did at, uh, you know, they finally did in the semifinal and got to the, the championship game against the very talented Marion County side at Georgia state. And that game itself, I, I remember watching it and uh, again, just so much emotion there uh, with that, um, as, as the reporter that I know you are, you, you were probably entrenched in locker rooms and all that. Um, how much of what was happening with Buddy, especially since he lost his life probably around 30 days later, I mean, yeah. 
did he ever use this as motivation to the team? I, I can't imagine that he did, but tell the people a little bit about what he did and what lesson he taught those student athletes. Just, you know, it's, it's a shame that, you know, sometimes you grow up sooner than you should. And it, the lessons really were about love and love of your fellow man and, you know, being focused on the task. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about Buddy saying that this was not going to be a pity party. It wasn't. The, the kids were locked in from the absolute beginning. The coaches were locked in from the absolute beginning. It's like, okay, there's, a, there's something that we have to do here. We have to finish this task. And, you know, for me, I, I will admit you know, going in that, you know, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, that I knew all the information and everything. And I had folks who were fantastic down in South Georgia helping me out all the way through when I couldn't make the, the phone calls that I needed to make. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we all have our sources, you know, so it's like, okay, <laughs> so you know, you're dialing up your sources. It's like, okay, so what are they saying? And for me, I was, I'm one of the hosts of our championship weekend at, at Georgia Public along with Hannah Gooden. And we're kind of up in a booth. And so we're kind of detached away from everything. And the only time that we really get to find out and feel what's going on is when we have those couple of minutes at the beginning of the third quarter or or right after kickoff when we can kind of get a feel for what's going on and kind of take it in a little bit. And, you know, I don't think, you know, know, we root and we cheer sometimes. And for me, because it was someone that I loved, you were, you know, you were hoping that, that it would be there. You, you know, you wanted it to be a great game because you knew it was going to be a great game. But, you know, obviously when there's that attachment there of someone that you love, you're, you're wondering if the result is going to be that storybook ending. And it did turn out to be that way for, for Irwin County there that afternoon. And when in the way things are with television, you have all the pomp and the circumstance and all this kind of stuff. And there's the trophy presentation and you knew that there was going to, there was going to be no way that buddy wasn't going to make his way up those steps (laughs) as frail as he was to be able to accept that trophy. And he got a lot of assistance coming up the steps. The GHSA was fantastic. The Georgia high school association, they had a chair for him to sit uh, to get the trophy and for me to be able to be there and share that moment with him when they did win that state championship. Uh, I mean, it was, you know, I'll, I'll break the fourth wall. I mean, I was smiling. I mean, how could you not for <laughs> yeah. someone that you love very much to have a moment like that. And, and uh, and there's a, a passage that is in the book. It's a conversation that I had with our sideline guy, Wiley Ballard. And Wiley knew the story of Irwin County, and he knew about the buildup from the year before because he's done Irwin County games in the past. And in the book, I talk about the conversation that Wiley and I have after the trophy presentation. Buddy invited me back into the locker room to to share in the trophy presentation. I had to still work. And so uh, my wife was there with me, and I said – and I whispered to Buddy. I said, Buddy, I can't make it. My wife is my proxy. Go have fun. (laughs) And so uh, she shot some video for me so I could kind of be included in that whole thing. And so I'm walking up the stairs with Wiley as I'm heading back to the booth. And Wiley knew how much Buddy and I loved each other. And he goes, that had to have been one of the toughest interviews that you've ever done in your life, presenting him that trophy, knowing how 
frail he was at the time. And, and I told Wiley, I said, honestly, Wiley, it's one of the easiest that, I, that I've ever done because I got to share a very special moment with someone that I love very much. And it's very rare that in this business we get to have those kinds of moments, Jeff. And mm -hmm. for me, it's one of those moments that's always going to stick with me. It's always going to stick with my wife because she was on the field with me for uh, you know a family that we love very much and a community that we know very well. And uh, just you know, it's just one of those moments that will always stick with me. Yeah, I have no doubt. John Nelson is talking with me tonight. Uh, Noble Strong is the book. Go get it on Amazon. Lessons in Destiny, uh, the Buddy Noble story. Uh, stomach cancer takes his life um, about 30 days after winning his first state championship there at Irwin County. And you mentioned how easy it was. I can, I, I, I can really get that. I, I, I can, I can understand how you feel about that. But as you now sit down, and and Buddy's no longer with us. Your friend is no longer here. You still have that love and passion for him. What was the hardest part in writing the book? Um, Getting with, through it. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, because you want to do it justice. Mm -hmm. You want to do it right. And it, you you want to be sure that you are representing every facet of the book the right way. You want to get the message right. You want to make sure that everyone you talk to in this is represented the right way. Did I get the quote right? Am I getting the context correct? Is, you know, is this word correct? Is this word right? Did I hear this correctly? Just because it's someone that you love very much, you want to get it 100% correct. I mean, nothing left to chance, nothing left to question, just making sure that it's done, D-O-N-E-R-I-G-H-T, exclamation point, done <laughs> right across the board. To where no one can sit there and go, well, no, that wasn't right. That wasn't what he said. That wasn't what this person said. That wasn't what happened here. Because you're talking about a community, you're talking about someone that meant so much to a community, you're talking about a family that still means as much as it does to a community, it has to be right. And I mean, that is in all capital letters, that is a period after each word for emphasis. It has to be right. Mm -hmm. bottom line. And it's been one of the, it, it, obviously it was a story that needed to be told, but it has to be done the right way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you did, like I said, what I've, I've read so far, heck of a job. I did, you know, sneak some peeks toward the end and all that too. <laughs> got to be honest, right? Yeah, got, that's what happens when you're a media, right? Sometimes you're a little busy and you can't, you know, everybody sends you a book and it's like trying to give it justice. But um, you have done a, a, a marvelous job with capturing the, the Buddy Noble story. Um, and I guess, you know, the, the last question going away, and, and you've really talked about all the, the lessons that are in the book and, and, and love comes through, right? You, you've mentioned that word a lot of times on here. Might've broken a record. Yeah. <laughs> high school football and love having love. to do with stuff off the field. I know. There you go. But maybe uh, I always try to come up with a question. It's a little different. Maybe it's a little out there, but I'm going to ask you anyway, yeah. if buddy had an opportunity to read your book, what do you think <sighs> buddy would say about what you wrote about him and this great story? Man, <laughs> Yeah, let, me, let me phrase it the right way. I didn't think that I was worth an inch worth of copy hmm. because the book in and of itself is literally it's an inch thick. It's 356 pages. But Buddy is so modest that, I mean, he, he'd probably look at it and go, oh, shucks, man. 
Yes. Uh, and then I'd have to tell them, it's like, look, it's a story that needs to be told. And so that to me would be it. It's like, yeah. you know, when we were talking earlier about where Buddy said he didn't want it to be a pity party once he was diagnosed with cancer, you know, it's like, let's, you know, let's focus on other things here. Let's focus on the task at hand, focus on the job. I'm going to, I'm going to continue to be a coach. And so I think that it's probably something along those lines is that, you know, 356 pages, huh? <laughs> you, know, you probably would have thought it would have been less or something like that. But, but when you, but when you look at it from all of the folks that wanted to spend their time to talk to me about Buddy, and I mean, it's an entire coaching staff. It's players that went to go to the the National Football League. I mean, C.J. Spiller, Gerard Warren, old uh, coaches who were old players for him, who are now coaching in their own right in multiple states. Uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney has a, a relationship with the Nobles family from the time that they were trying to recruit his oldest son Casey to come play uh, at at uh, Clemson University. Uh, you know, when you're looking at you know Caleb, who was trying to his youngest son, Caleb, who's trying to coach the quarterbacks at the University of West Florida at the same time that they're trying to chase after a Division II title, the same time that Buddy's trying to have a Irwin County chase after a single-A title, and all the sacrifices that every member of the family made to make sure that they were there and they were as, as active uh, this entire time to make sure that they didn't miss a, a, a you know any appointment, that they were always there to get get and garner the information. I mean, it's really looking at all the people who gave their time and a lot of their time mm -hmm. from a very difficult situation to talk about someone that they all love very much. That's what happens when you touch as many lives as you do. And, you know, it could be a, it could be somebody who's a band member and because of somebody, you know, something that buddy said nicely to a, a college administrator that got them that scholarship for the, their college education. It's all the different people that he touched. And I think that, honestly, 356 pages, that's barely scratching the surface. Well said. John Nelson on the High School Football America podcast tonight. Noble Strong. Get it on Amazon. It's Noble Strong Lessons in Destiny. And uh, having done one of these myself, I got five to catch up to you on there, John. But <laughs> I'd be remiss. I'd be remiss. You've already mentioned your wife. Uh, I'd be remiss if you, I didn't give you a few seconds there to, to talk about uh, the, the women beneath our wings that no. make writing a book <laughs> important because, you know, sometimes you got your nose uh, crammed in, in your computer there. And you, like you said, you're trying to get it perfectly right and all those other good things. Uh, how, how important was she in the whole process? Okay, well, now I'm going to break the fourth wall here. Uh, you're talking to me in Austin, Texas. And as you ask this question, um, you, you can see me I can see as you. we're talking. So what I'm going to do, <laughs> yeah, Jeff, there's my wife, Patty. Hi, Patty. Yeah, Jeff Fisher says hello. <laughs> and so uh, she, to say she is as instrumental in my life as she is is an understatement. And so when she is around and she makes sure that I stick to the task. Okay, so where are you with this? What are you doing? Uh, you know, what do you have left to do? Uh, she's always there. She's always there to lift me up. She's always there to kick me in the pants when I need it. And uh, to be able to share 
that season with her, like we were talking earlier, where she got to share in the in the celebration in the locker room. Uh, it's one of the things that has stuck on her phone, and it's always something that, that we're blessed to to have as a part of our lives too. But no, for for me to be able to to share it with someone that I love very much, knowing that it's a family that we love very much across the board, it's just it's something that that adds to the the fabric of the love that we have for each other. And she's, she's amazing. What else can I say? Yeah. I, well, you know, uh, my, mine is Trish, but her real name is Patricia and to uh-huh. the family, she's Patty. So yeah. <laughs> I always found it interesting that you and I both have Patties, even, even though I don't yeah. even, even know if you knew that that's what she was called on my end, but uh, congratulations, John. Uh, really. I, I look forward to finishing it folks. Seriously. This is not a football book. Uh, wherever you live, you'll enjoy this. This has lessons of life in it. Please pick it up. Noble Strong, Lessons in Destiny, uh, available on Amazon. John, thank you so much. Best of luck with the book. And if there's anything that I can do for you from here on out, uh, just let me know. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to catch up with you, my friend. And uh, just be safe and stay inside the air conditioning. And, you know, because football season will start before. We- oh, yeah. But it always feels good when you walk back. And mosquitoes and. And dryer sheets that we apply to our backs during uh, during practices. But no, thank you for this. It was great to catch up with you, my friend. We'll catch up soon. Yep. And thanks to John Nelson. And uh, check out this book. It's a wonderful book. Uh, uh, a great story, a tough story, but a great story nonetheless. And I uh, just want to remind everyone this weekend that High School Football America has released its 2020, spring 20 of 21, High School Football All-America team. Nearly 2,900 athletes being saluted for their work in the classroom and on the football field. Check it out at highschoolfootballamerica.com. The High School Football America podcast is brought to you by GameStrat, America's premier sideline instant replay system. It has outstanding reliability, which is great. Speed is important, and it's faster than Huddle Sideline. Plus, GameStrat has awesome customer service. Sometimes Huddle people, well, I'm just going to say what I read on Twitter, sometimes aggravate coaches when they don't have the right answers at the right time. And GameStrat has different plans priced right. For every coach's budget, and as I said at the top of the podcast, mention High School Football America and our relationship with the guys at GameStrat, and you will get a special discount. To get the demo, go to GameStrat.com, or you can click on the GameStrat banner ad, which is located on every page of HighSchoolFootballAmerica.com. And that's today's High School Football America podcast. I'm Jeff Fisher.